How do you raise tens of millions of dollars from Andreessen Horowitz to help low-income Americans improve their finances? Today, we meet Jimmy Chen, CEO and founder of Propel, and Johnny Walker from Ruled, the outsourced accounting, consulting, and CFO firm that has supported this amazing journey. Welcome back to another edition of The Angel Nest, where real angel investors and entrepreneurs partner to build great companies. I'm David Hemingway. I'm a five-time founder and now an active angel investor. And my mission here is to tell the stories that are powering innovation. You have to wear a lot of hats to succeed as a startup CEO, but sometimes the most important decisions are what you choose not to do yourself. Today, we talk to Johnny Walker, the co-founder of Ruled, an outsourced accounting, consulting, and on-demand CFO service. Ruled lets companies focus on their core mission and not on their accounting on a daily basis. We're also joined by his client, Jimmy Chen from Propel, a for-profit, venture-backed social impact business that is helping low-income Americans improve their finances. Jimmy's mission was born during his time at Blue Ridge Labs. Gentlemen, thank you both for joining us today. Thank you, David. Thank you, Jimmy. Of course. Thanks for having us. Johnny, so many entrepreneurs brilliant about what their business is, but they don't necessarily want to spend the time creating and monitoring the financial structure uh, that they really need in order to convince investors and customers. You help them with all that before they're ready to hire a CFO. Tell us how you developed the concept and how Ruled works. Great. Thank you, David. So, yeah, the, the concept of outsourcing is relatively well established, but the idea here as it pertains to venture-backed companies is we're bringing in the layered resources that are most effective for getting each task or each job done. So in the case of Propel and with Jimmy, what we do is we assign a controller and a staff accountant. The team of those two really help deliver the accounting robustness and reliability in the financial reporting. And we can, in certain instances, layer on the CFO resource as well if there's any need for support in financial projections, modeling, and some of the strategy for the business. But what we're always doing is giving the right resource at the right time in order to get the job done most effectively. So it's really all the support structure, but without all the overhead and obligation. Yeah, it, exactly. And I mean, fundamentally, what is important is that you're accessing expertise. Because, uh, you know, if you had all the capital in the world, what you would do is you go and hire somebody full time to come in and do the job that would be appropriately uh, have the appropriate skill set and background. Here with the outsourcing, what you're doing is only employing the person for the portion of the month in which you need to get the job done because the scale of the job is before really full time. But what you want is you, you, you need to find the people that have done this before, know gap compliance, know the whole industry and come in and do the job effectively and reliably. That's that's what's most key. Jimmy Chen, I'm fascinated by what you're doing. Uh, powered by a seed round in 2017, you and your company Propel are making financial life better for low-income Americans. Please give us an introduction and tell us how your partnership with Johnny has helped you do that. So Propel is a technology company focused on serving the specific needs of low-income Americans who use the social safety net. Um, I started the company in 2014 through a nonprofit fellowship called Blue Ridge Labs, but always aspired to build Propel as a venture-backed for-profit company that could use the resources of capitalism to make a difference for low-income families in a really sustainable way. Um, when I started the company, I just spent a lot of time talking to low-income Americans about their specific financial needs. And one of the things I started learning a lot about was the safety net and about how to use safety net programs like the food stamp program. So there are about 40 million Americans who receive about $100 billion per year in SNAP benefits, which is the official name for food stamps on these debit cards called EBT cards. But I learned that there was a quirk that people have to generally call the 1-800 number on the back of their EBT cards to check their balance. 
So at Propel, one of the early things that we built was a free mobile app that lets anyone log in with their EBT information to see their balance and transaction history. So similar to if you've got a debit card from a bank, you don't have to call that bank to check your balance. There's probably a free mobile app. We built that for the EBT card and the government benefit of food stamps. Um, these days, we make money in a couple of different ways. The app has been and continues to be free for our users. We help our users identify what jobs they can apply for, what uh, healthcare plans they can qualify for, ways to save money on groceries, and so on. And we make money from third parties by referring our customers out to their great services that help them to save money or make money. We also operate now a banking product that helps our low-income users, many of whom are underbanked and using expensive other products, to be able to store their money and transact on a regular banking product without a monthly fee. So that's how Propel is today. We serve about 5 million customers each month. But um, that was not the position the company was in when Johnny and I met uh, many years ago. We were really just a fledgling company trying to get started, trying to raise our seed round. And in that position, um, you know, one of the things we struggled with was convincing investors that we had the financial sustainability and scalability to succeed at a level that was going to be necessary for venture investors to put their money behind us. And you know, coming from a tech and product background, not having any personal background in finance, I pretty quickly realized that I needed to focus on the things that I was good at and to find help and to find people that could join our team to help me um, become standardized and to answer a lot of these questions that investors were posing around financials. Um, and so that's where Johnny and the Rule team have been incredibly helpful for us throughout our journey. Johnny, what would you say it was like with Propel in the beginning? So really, the point at which we got engaged with Propel is what I call the ideal point. Uh, is I think it was great timing and planning on Jimmy's part because uh, they really were raising that seed round at that point. And that's when you, you as a founder are taking on a lot of fiduciary responsibilities. That's when things really just start to count from a finance standpoint. And with raising the capital, the founder needs to focus the entirety of their time on the product development, the go-to-market strategy, and really building the company. And that's concurrent with when you are taking on the responsibilities of gap compliance and stakeholder and investor reporting. So it's a perfect time to really get yourself set up properly from a finance standpoint. And so we started working with Jimmy. Um, we were able to get the accounting caught up. We got everything into a good, solid operation from an accounting standpoint. And we were able to lay on the degree of connections and modeling support that Jimmy would need at any particular point in time. Uh, Jimmy, you raised money very early, right? How did you do that? Well, we raised money first in 2017 from institutional investors. It actually took us three years between the founding of the company and raising our first round. It was for us just really the challenge of being able to convince investors that although we were social mission-minded, and that absolutely is the heart of the company, that we also wanted to build a massive profitable business that was going to have good returns for for-profit investors. And that we weren't just a social impact company, but also a viable venture capital bet. And so that was a journey for us. It really required us to build a lot of proof points along the way from a product and growth standpoint, but also from a business and finance standpoint, we needed to convince investors that we were serious. And one of the ways you convince investors you're serious is by being standardized, by showing them that you understand the best practices and that you're following them, that you speak their language when it comes to financial accounting and all the diligence process that investors do. Um, and so that was a really key milestone for us. Yeah. Early on, very often investors are looking for uh, you know, demonstration that the company has the methodologies in place and that, you know, it's a priority for them to figure out what their financial future looks like, even though everybody knows the numbers are going to change. 
Yeah, that's absolutely right. I resisted it for probably too long because I continue to make the argument that like, well, we don't even know what it's going to be. Why are we spending time on this? Like, shouldn't we just be like, you know, hacking away and trying to build everything we can? That was just kind of my personality and what I what I found to be the most fun. But I learned over time that that approach just wouldn't resonate with investors and that, that that investors very reasonably wanted to see that we had the right financial controls and reporting in place so that when they're you know, when their uh, wire to us cleared, uh, that they could be confident that we are going to be responsible. Um, and that that is a totally reasonable uh, request that investors would have. And so I think it took me a little while to get there, um, but absolutely is this something that's quite clear to me now. Yeah, we often say that it's not nearly as important what those numbers actually say as the fact that you have gone through that process to to figure out, you know, how that's going to look. Yeah. I mean, for me as a mission-oriented founder, I came to think about this as actually central to our social mission, that for us to be sustainable and have this impact over many decades is going to require us to build a financial engine behind the company. And that means, in practice, adopting financial you know, best practices and getting to the point where we have these systems in place to be able to allow us to understand what our business is doing, where it's strong and where it's weak and where we should focus. And um, that that is mission alignment. That is fundamentally a core of like who we're trying to be as an organization. Was it difficult for you to get to the decision to outsource and, you know, seed a certain amount of, of daily control? Was it, was it your faith in Johnny or was it just that you felt like, uh, having that off your plate on a daily basis was, was going to be better for the company? Oh, it wasn't very difficult to decide to outsource. I knew I wasn't especially good at it. It was sort of learning it from scratch and, um, and, and just uh, could tell that someone else would do a better job. I mean, there was a trickier question of, of who to outsource it to. Because, you know, as founders, we do have lots of options of how to handle these, including doing a bad job in-house, which is like something that I did for, for a few years, certainly on my own. Um, and really getting to meet the team at Rules, getting to spend time with Johnny and the staff, and just learning about their approach, learning about their experience, learning that they've worked with companies that are similar to us in the exact same position that we were in, and thinking about how to present things to investors and how to measure our progress. Um, that was really key to building our confidence that they were the right partners here. Can I just add, so I think just in response to that as well, Jimmy, one of the most pleasurable aspects of doing the work that we do is actually getting to know the founders and the companies that we're working with because uh, they're always inspirational. They've always got a massive visions that we are, to some degree, helping them actually execute on. And with Jimmy, there's been a great opportunity. My, my teaching at Columbia Business School and Impact Investing, Jimmy and I have had a lot of contact over the years as he's very uh, gr uh, gracefully turned up in class and actually been a fantastic speaker uh, for, for the students at Columbia Business School, which has just been tremendous. And so I really value the relationship that we've had with Jimmy, his support of Ruled, and the, the degree to which we've been able to see Propel grow and grow. And we look forward very much to seeing all that happens from here. So Jimmy, what is next for Propel? Well, um, as the financial needs of low-income families change, so too does our product suite. We have chosen to take on a pretty deep systemic challenge in the United States, and that means we've got to keep building and keep innovating. Um, we were fortunate to raise our Series B last year. The company's grown to about 120 people full-time, um, and we see uh, a lot of our work as finding other ways to help our users put dollars back into their pockets. That is the fundamental challenge here. We're talking about uh, people experiencing poverty, which is defined by not having enough money. And so if my company can sustainably put tens of millions of dollars into our users' pockets every day by helping them get government benefits, by helping them navigate private services, by helping them do things more efficiently, then that's a success for us.
doing amazing work and building a great company while doing it. Congratulations. And thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Johnny, uh, thank you for joining us. And this is one of a series of profiles we're doing on how accounting and CFO services can power success for startups. So we'll be speaking again soon. Thank you, David. You can find contact information for our guests today at our website, theangelnest.com, where you can also reach me if you know of a company or an exciting opportunity we should talk about. My email is david at theangelnest.com. I'm David Hemingway. We produce The Angel Nest with help from David Newhoff at the beautiful Art Deco Film Center building just outside of Times Square in New York. Thanks for listening, and here's hoping my fellow investors and the founders they support find their next great venture. So long until next time.